Welcome, marketing interns, to Podcast 54. Before we get after this bananas episode, let me tell you about one of our sponsors, MB Outdoors. MB Outdoors, an adventure lifestyle and apparel brand aimed at sharing the excursions taken on all trails outside the hustle of suburbia. The Back Pocket recently experienced a legendary excursion while on the island of Hilton Head in South Carolina. We were able to fully appreciate the moment and, and, and the environment we were in because of MB Outdoors. When I'm talking about experiences, I'm talking about the beach days that we had, our days on the uh, on the golf course, and even going deep sea fishing. Each one of those experiences, MB Outdoors played an int- in just an, a phenomenal and significant role. We want you to have those same experiences, so make sure to join MB Outdoors' team by repping a shirt, a hat, or any of their new pullovers. Um, and you can go ahead and buy those on their website at mboutdoors.com. And you can get 15% off your purchase to join the MB Outdoors team using promo code BACKPOCKET. That's B-A-C-K-P-O-C-K-E-T. Don't also forget to follow them on Instagram at MB Outdoors Official. And look out for any kind of giveaway or anything, any sort of opportunity that comes your way. Andrew, what do you got for us? Another ad read for y'all folks for your marketing interns, Skyline Specs. I know I've told you about them before, but today is a little bit different. Today I'm going to discuss a business package, you know, ordering in wholesale. If you reach out to us at our email address, thebackpocketpodcast at gmail.com, and we can get you in touch with probably the top executive, the top executive of Skyline Specs. We have the power to make sure that you get exactly what you want. You go on the website and you can look at how simple it is to order in one of these business packages. You just send them your custom logo and they will work directly with you to make sure that they can hand engrave this logo of yours on the side, whether it's a skyline of your home city, whether it's a logo, whether you have a camp and you just want to make sure that your name is front and center on every single youth athlete of your own. They will work directly with you, making sure they'll give you a sample and everything else you need, and they will ship it to you in wholesale. You can order 20, you can order 50, you can order 100. Just talk to talk to us at thepackpocketpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll make sure we get exactly what you want. That concludes our sponsors for the day. Let's get to this phenomenal podcast. Roll that intro music. I'm just in- And the boys from the back pocket are in two different locations, but we're back. We're here. Declan Brown, Decky Travels, Decky in Minnesota. How are we? We're phenomenal. Andy online. It's been a while. Haven't seen Andy virtual reality in a long time. We're here. We're kind of here together. The, the internet has connected us for the second time running here. You know what? We always talk about it. What's the difference between game one and game two? Screen record one and screen, screen record two. And now we're doing our second ever Skype front end and back end one and two. Phenomenal time to be alive. Let's get after this phenomenal podcast, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, this is incredible. We're doing it again. Our our last podcast that we did this when we were separated, we titled it Recognizing Failure featuring Aiden Brown. We fully recognize how much we screwed up. I mean, the audio on that, I mean, just subpar. I mean, not even average. It was just... 
it just we had the fan going we had poor wi-fi i don't even know how like it was just atrocious we i think we lost our segment one time we fully recorded like a 16 minute video of us talking and then we lost it all i mean we had so many ebbs and flows strikes and gutters trials and there i can't even count on one hand but we recognized them all and we're ready to grow we're we're ready to just get after this episode. You're absolutely right. It's it's a growth time. Maybe the uh, podcast title this week is just ready to grow. Um, something something like that. I don't know. Trusting uh, in yourself. I yeah. Mean, recognizing. Yeah. Recognizing success. Maybe because we recognized failure last time. Uh, but yeah. It, it, regardless uh, whether we are good this episode or bad, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to be average, right? That's just how it is. That's life. And, uh, you know, part of life, part of this podcast is our average quality. This week, Andrew, what is our average quality? So we just told you about our experience, and we're going to tell you a little bit more throughout this podcast of Hilton Head. And uh, it was a phenomenal time. I thoroughly enjoyed every second showing the boys what I've been able to experience with my family coming down here. I know they loved it. But being the host of an event such as this um, demands your own presence to make the decisions of the group like everyone's looking to you from morning to the time they put their head on a pillow for every single decision no one can make a decision on their own because they feel like it's going to be the wrong decision i guess i mean that's at least what it appeared to me so my so my, i'm just going to go with my average quality and i think it just affected everyone to be honest was a uh, decision fatigue i felt like i was making uh, well over my capability of decisions and i just got worn down okay that's a great Average quality, I think, on my end, uh, reinforcing my decision of what I wanted to do. Uh, I think I definitely didn't uh, make my voice heard enough, clearly. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, it's always really cool when you get to go on vacation and just, like, have someone plan your entire trip and you don't have to, like – like, I'm not a complainer. Uh, I think my average quality is being good at complaining. Uh, so whenever you're like, all right, we're going to the beach, it's like, yeah, of course we are. Like, why not? Or it's like, hey, what, what do you guys want for dinner? Like, I'm thinking pizza. I'm like, yeah, pizza's good. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe I had it the last two nights, but I'm still going to take pizza. It's it's a four-day vacation for a reason. Like, so I'm, I'm sitting here like, look, it's not the end of the world, whatever we do. And I'm uh, just the most go-with-the-flow guy ever. So call call my own shot here or call yeah, your own I mean, shots. Hey, you – so there was – five of us there were six total and uh some people were asking thousands of questions a day they just needed to know every single second of the day how it was organized you on the other hand i can guarantee i mean i know you didn't really ask us a single question it was kind of like when i said something or when anyone said it, you're like yeah i mean yeah let's do it i'm sure yeah, i'm sure, in. sure why not? some other people would be like when are we doing this what are we what, what are we gonna wear when we go this way when are we when can i put on my socks it was like Bro, we don't wear socks in Hilton Head. Like, that's just a thing. Like, don't put your socks on. <laughs> or it's like, uh, how about this? Uh, we used to always say this back in high school. And, uh, yeah, we aren't high schools, high schoolers anymore. We're uh, 22-year-old men. Uh, don't anticipate. Participate. Exactly. So how I'm, about you say, how about you tell me, hey, I want to do this. And then we go do it. Yeah. Like, it's your vacation too. Yeah. it's it, and But I would also say, uh, from my perspective, I would also say, like, I barely knew where Hilton Head was to begin with. Um, I barely got there, uh, and as as we as I alluded to in the last podcast. So when I showed up, it was like, all right, um, show me the way. I don't. You've been here like forty times. I've been here zero times. So you know what to do, and I definitely don't. So I'm not going to reinforce any other decision because I don't know what's on that back end of that decision. True, but I do know we, you got there, 
And when you got there, we had the time of our lives. And I, I, I could say there's countless stories. We could, we could spend a whole podcast simply talking about our, your four-day vacation. My, I feels like I've been here for two months. Your hiatus. My, my hiatus is real. And, uh, but we developed stories and it was just, it was sweet. I was so happy that we could put this on the company card. I mean, that's, that, that part was phenomenal. Yeah. It's always a good time when, uh, you can write off all the things you do for fun, uh, for tax purposes. So, uh, we might have to believe that cause the IRS might be listening. Uh, I also don't know how the IRS works or how to write off things. So a lot of things there that, uh, we're average at, but, uh, just a forewarning to our marketing interns, we are actually not going to detail our entire trip on this podcast, but we're going to give you the highlights. We're going to give you the ones that uh, you guys will enjoy for sure, uh, and we're confident in that. First one, Andrew, what do you got for us? So this is the segment, Curbside Stories. We give you, we have given this to you before because we believe we have a pretty good ability to storytell, and these stories we want to share with you because – Damn, they were entertaining and we experienced them. So we just want to share them with you, marketing interns. The first one I want to talk about is the we had five guys, six guys there, and uh, we're, I mean, not to brag, but we balance each other out. We balance each other out pretty damn well. And uh, there was a lot of families there, and families have children, siblings, and there's women in those siblings. Fair to say, Jack? Uh, that's confirmed. Okay, sweet, and. Uh, I feel I felt like we got pawned off by moms uh, a handful of times, and those experiences in itself were classic. Because after the first one, we were a little thrown off, but after that, I mean, it was just like playing catch with your dad at the end of the day. You just you, you knew how to handle the situation, and I felt like we were to- we were toying with these moms by the end. Yeah, and I just to elaborate a little bit on the pawning. So I have a feeling that the moms were a little inebriated, and they had a single daughter that was within the age of eighteen to twenty-two. Uh, they saw a couple guys, uh, when I mean a couple, I mean six, ten boys just uh, being athletic, just being dudes out on the beach, you know, uh, shirts off, sunglasses, hats backwards. You know, like we were just enjoying each other's presence. Like I don't think we were like on Babe Watch or anything. Uh, maybe Lorch was, but not anybody else. I can totally say that. Uh, and they, the moms were taking full advantage. They are like, any six of these guys can marry my daughter, and I'm totally okay with that. And that's where the pawning came in. And I think that's exactly what pawning stands for. Could you would is, could you say that's correct? Rolling, rolling out the red carpet and all, literally saying, what is your address? I will drop my daughter off was one of the moms. She said those words. Yeah, and let's also not uh, forget we had uh, a woman or a daughter and her mom – or the mom came up with her daughter and was like, hi, can I take a picture of my daughter with you guys to send back to her friends to show her what Hilton Head is like? Like you guys are Hilton Head. And I was, yeah, we are uh, the six of us. None of – we're literally living in Minnesota and we – I guess we embody – what Hilton Head stands for. I, yeah, I, again, I barely even knew Hilton Head was an island. And then uh, about a day later, I was getting represented as the uh, face of Hilton Head or the body of Hilton Head. I, I don't even have that great of a body, but I, I had the body of Hilton Head. That's hey, that, you could put that on your resume. I'll go ahead and soak that. I'm not going to say that I don't want to be that. Yeah, it was phenomenal. I loved it. Another favorite story of mine was, you know, there's a triangle of bars, and that was just a place to be at the end of the night or during the night, I guess. We were there till the end of the night. But uh, there was one time, well, your first night there, you, you arrived at 830. Know, 10 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Ten, oh, yeah. We got in at like 10, at 10, 10 p.m. And uh, you got back to the house. You want to tell from your experience what happened when you got back to the house? Yeah, so we pull in the driveway, and like before we even get out of the car, Andrew looks at me, and he's like, 
all right, dude, like my grandma Jojo, like she labels everything. And I see, I look to my right and I see a fridge and in like big giant, like uh, Lego block uh, letters, like magnet letters says, do not slam fridge and then make sure to slam or make sure to close fridge. I'm like, okay. I was like, this is, I am going to have an absolute heyday with this, ju- this juju or no Jojo uh, I, you speak of. And, uh, you know, and you were, you, it confirmed, like she definitely had like every, she, and you're like, dude, just take it easy on her. Like, like, don't post all these stories and like, don't, don't embarrass her. Like this is, she loves to make sure people are feeling at home. And I did, I absolutely did. I didn't flame her. Uh, she made me feel at home. Like I knew exactly how to squeegee the shower. I knew not to slam the fridge. I knew where the forks were and you know, everything and how to make coffee. And like, that was easy. Thank you, Jojo. Appreciate that. Anyways, I get in, the boys uh, throw me a tequila shot, you know, whatever. Fast forward, we go to the bars like 10 minutes later, not even thinking about it. I, I didn't even put my bag down. I threw a shirt on, got got to the bars, and, you know, we, of course, you know, and 20 minutes later, we take over the bar, you know, surprise there, and uh, we start a dance circle. And I think this could be a really good YouTube segment of how to start a dance circle. Uh, so thank you for throwing me that, that soft one. But to start, you need to order beers. Um, and your second step. Uh, finish the beers. Okay. And then third step, place the beers not in the trash, not in the recycling, but on the ground. Fourth step. You got them on the ground, and then you formulate a circle around them with approximately six to eight people. So it looks like there's a fun-loving crowd. Yeah. And I would say that fifth step would be to uh, dance and to not stop dancing and to make sure that when the bottles get knocked over by the people that aren't caring about your dance circle, you make it a point to set them back up. And then once you do that, then you'll have your dance circle because everyone's caring about the beer bottles in the middle. Everyone's flirting around with death and no one's going to, no one's going to knock those things over, but they're for sure going to get close and they're going to jump over them and then turn it into a dance move or like girls. The priority isn't you during that dance the priority is those bottles in the middle entirely you correct do everything you can to make sure those bottles feel appreciated you're heating them up you're making sure they feel warm you're dancing around them you're making sure they're feeling cuddled i mean everything that you're doing is making sure that those bottles know that they are fun loving empty bottles that are controlling the dance floor yeah and that and that is how you run a dance circle Simple as you that. We ignited that bar. We lit, we turned that place from a fine establishment into an absolute dance party. Put it plain and simple. There's no other way to put it. Uh, so that I mean that was a, a hell of a night, and I totally I love that night. Hell of a story, and I know that uh, we can definitely relay that message to our marketing interns so that they can experience the same thing we were able to. Absolutely. Uh, the third. And final curbside story before this gets uh, entirely too long and entirely too Hilton Head. Uh, throwing Aggies. So we got to talk Aggies. Uh, we may have talked about Aggies before on this podcast. I don't know if anyone heard it before, but we'll reiterate again. An Aggie is an upside-down cannonball. It's a true passion of my son, of mine. I absolutely love throwing Aggies. I will take any opportunity to throw Aggies into a pool, into a lake, into an ocean, is uh, the ocean where in Hilton Head? What what is that? A river? Is it a is it an ocean? I don't. What what, what were we doing dealing with there? We were in the ocean. We were in the ocean. Okay, cool, good to know. Uh, so yeah, we were in the ocean uh, and we were boating. Uh, it was the I think our second day, and your bro or your cousin pulls the boat up. You know, captain of the ship was like, "All right, I think we can jump in." 
Yeah, we've been on the boat for 45 minutes. We're making our way from the dock all the way to another island called Defusky. And I, we were like probably another 15 minutes away from Defusky. And he stops the boat because we're going to jump in and cool off. And everyone assumed since we've been on the boat so long that it would be deep enough. And and sure as heck, you know, when I hear, uh, hey, now it's now is the time to jump off the boat. Of course, I'm thinking eggy. Like I'm the first thing I'm going to do is throw an eggy. And you know, before we did that, we were like, all right, well, hey, you know, why don't we check the, the the level? Why don't we check the water level? See how deep it actually is. You know, I had full trust, full faith in Christopher, the captain. Like he's the captain of the boat. We're gonna he's he's gonna stop in a place where we can absolutely send it. And uh, he drops the oar in. And it's no more than knee height, like two feet, two feet of water that we're floating in. And we all just kind of looked at each other and we're like, wow, reality check. That could have been bad. I mean, we were standing on top of the sides of the boat, like literally ready to send move, it. Like a movement away, like a, just a shift of the body into the ocean. And we probably would have busted necks. Yeah, it would have been bad. Uh, we probably wouldn't be recording this episode right now if it wasn't for Captain Chris. Um, so shout out Captain Chris checking the water level. And uh, you know what? He drove another uh, 20 feet, and there, it was sure as heck deep. We threw some Aggies. It was phenomenal. Love it. Thank you. Well, I, thank you, Chris. Thank you, marketing interns, for you know just staying with us that whole time. We, I know we bragged a little bit, but it was just an experience. We had stories. We needed to share those stories. We absolutely appreciated the moment, lived in the moment. And our guest that we have on today, I can 100% – reiterate how much he loves life he is literally in the moment from dawn to till dusk and he told us stories we want to do curbside stories because the stories he told us were so impressive we tried to embody what he was teaching us rick martinez a guest that i am so excited for you guys to hear yeah and one thing to know about rick is when we first were flirting with the idea of getting a cannabis entrepreneur on our podcast we really had second thoughts about it because of how cannabis and marijuana is typically received in our society right now. Granted, it's legal in maybe, I don't know, don't quote me on it, but like 20 states. It's not, it's not legal federally. It's not legal in sports. It's you know illegal for the most part. And so having someone who represents something illegal was a concern. I will say we totally tossed uh, that out the window. That our that preconceived notion, that book cover was totally torn apart, torn to smithereens. Rick Martinez is the guy, is the man, and he is here to show you exactly what he's all about. Being a cannabis entrepreneur, and let me let me give you a little sneak peek. It means a lot more than just being a weed guy. Enjoy the interview. We sure did, Rick Martinez. Thank you again for spending time with us. Uh, looking forward to hearing your feedback about it because and, your, and our marketing interns because, I mean, phenomenal all around. Uh, enjoy, guys. Marketing interns get locked in this week. We got a phenomenal guest, Rick Martinez, who's a cannabis entrepreneur. And now uh, his newest venture is he's the co-founder and CEO of Wellness Project Rx. Let's go ahead and welcome on Rick Martinez. How are we doing? Hey guys, I'm doing awesome today. It's good to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, and thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us. Um, I say we get right into it, and we're going to hit you with our favorite question. It's our first question. It's really the core of who we are, a couple of average guys, and we start off every podcast with an average quality uh, of our own. So we'd like to ask our, we'd like to ask you today, what is your average quality? I, so I, I, I love that question. It's, it's, um, 
you ask somebody to pick out what are they really, really average quality. And, you know, I'm going to be a little self-deprecating here and, and kind of fun, but um, um, the rest of my family is really, really good-looking people, so I'm very, very average-looking. And, and um, it's my average looks that's, that have helped me <laughs> through the best parts of life. So, <laughs> Love to hear that. That's awesome. And I know you market this a lot, but uh, you definitely outkicked your coverage because your wife's really hot. Um, so good work on your end. <laughs> yeah, she is. She's she's without a doubt not just a platitude, but literally my like she is my better half, and she's in my opinion she's smoking hot. Mm -hmm. So hey, you you scored a big one, and you scored a big one for life. So congratulations on that. Um, now smoothly transitioning out of talking about your wife, we're going to talk more about you. Um, what we realized when we first reached out to and we did some research on you, we found that your Instagram name's Planet Boy. Uh, we just really wanted to clear the air on that. Uh, what? Why? Why? Well, what? How did that come from? How did that come to be? That's a. Uh, I'll I'll synopsize it. It's a great story. So, um, I so we I've been married to Lisa to my wife for coming up to eighteen years, and about nineteen years ago when we first started dating, uh, she got kind of um, the flavor of what I was about. And in, in other words, I'm a registered nurse, but I was doing a lot of things. A lot of things were going on in life. And one day she said, Rick. I don't know where you're going to land today. It's like every day you wake up on a different planet. You're like a freaking planet boy. And I'm like, I kind of like that planet boy. So I literally, my email address is planet boy. Um, my handles are planet boy. And that's where it came from. And to this day, um, she still stands by the fact that I wake up on a different planet every day. Very cool. That's awesome. And that's kind of, uh, is that what's led you into being an entrepreneur? I mean, starting these several different companies, a life as an entrepreneur is not an easy one. And waking up on a new planet every day, like getting ready to get after it and seize the day. Is that kind of where that comes from? It does. You know, it's, uh, I, I think really if I distill it down, it's, it's waking up and knowing that as an entrepreneur, um, opportunities are all around us. And as an entrepreneur, it's also hard, honestly, to stay focused. You know, the whole shiny object syndrome or squirrel. And um, so, yeah, it's both served me and it's, 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 it's good. It's, it's the necessary evil. And at the same time, it's also a necessary good of being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, another question going off Planet Boy real quick. What's your favorite planet to be on, I guess? Oh. What, what's your favorite planet that you've experienced? favorite planet so <laughs> I could that, that answer could go so many ways yeah you know, I know right <laughs> of, especially because of the industry I'm in now boy I think I've been on some wild planets but, uh, <laughs> that's good yeah so um, you know I, I gotta say you know I'm, I, my, my very average quality is sometimes my my answers are very um, grounded and um, you know um, just being here, being on this, you know, this spinning, I'm looking outside the window, this spinning massive, this blue ball spinning around the sun is, a, is, is the best place to be. Mm -hmm. Love it. So as an entrepreneur, I mean, let's get into that story and that background. We did a little research and we, we know that you were in the military as a registered nurse. And then um, from there, you um, have started several companies. Can you take us down that journey from maybe the start, uh, ending your military service, and then going into a life as an entrepreneur? Sure. So I, I am a registered nurse. That's that's my vocation. My my college degree is in. I have a bachelor's degree in nursing. So I graduated in 1995 from nursing school, and um, 
and I, I think what where I really started to, I guess the first bite of the entrepreneurial bug was as a registered nurse, first of all, it's a great profession. I'm, I'm still today an RN. I do not practice, so I'm saying this with all love and respect to nurses everywhere. But I graduated as with a four-year degree, making tw- a little over $12 an hour. And the truth is, um, is that I was making more as a bartender while I was in school. So I realized that, um, like, like many entrepreneurs, is that there's more out there. That there's, there's bigger, there's brighter, there's faster, there's stronger. And as much as I love my profession, I'm like, I was limited by 12 bucks and by the amount of time I could work. And that was it. I could only work so much. So I realized, how can I make more? Um, or how can I, um, how, how can I just be more and make more? So I became a, a contracted nurse where basically I worked contracts at hospitals and my, my salary jumped tremendously, like 20 something bucks an hour. So I almost doubled it. And then I realized there's, there's more. And let me, let me qualify what I mean more is I was a young father then. I had one, my little girl, I had a family, um, I had a dog, I had a mountain bike. I just wanted to do more because uh, my family deserved it. And freedom, freedom was the word. So I started doing strike nursing. And yeah, in some states, nurses are unionized and say they go on strike and I do strikes. 30 days on, made more money than doctors, honestly. And then I realized I'm still limited by the number of hours I can physically work and by the amount I was being paid per hour. So um, I was leaving a hospital, a contract one day, like actually, you know, my shift ended and the director of nurses walked in, uh, you know, coming in I was working night shift and she said, Rick, we want to renew your contract. And I said, sure. I said, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm changing companies. And she said, no problem. Where that statement came from of changing companies, I have no idea. I have no clue. And so I got home. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning. I realized there is no other company. So I went to LegalZoom.com and formed a corporation. And uh, within a few days, I presented her a contract from a new company. And she said, that's no, no problem. Send us the rep so we can sign it. And I said, well, I'm the rep. And that's how I signed my first contract with my very first hospital, me being my only, my only employee. And I probably quadrupled my hourly rate. So... Of course, as the story goes on, uh, they said, "Rick, we, you know, do you have more nurses like you?" And you know, like me, I, I was I was a good nurse. I knew my stuff. So my girlfriend, who's my wife now, was like, "Sure." So my company doubled immediately from me to two of us. And they're like, "Do you have more?" I'm like, "All I know is nurses." So we went from two to four, four to eight, and that nursing journey. Uh, when I sold that company four years ago, we had 600 employees and we worked in 19 states, and our only client at the time we sold was the federal government. So we went from me just, I, I'm going to change companies to, um, we were very blessed and a lot of work, but, um, built an incredible organization. And that was, that was, um, that's my claim to fame basically. So yeah, so that, that was the beginning and it's the dot, dot, dot continues, which is why we're talking today. Absolutely. And one thing I'd like to touch on is through that whole process, you definitely trusted yourself. You you bet the cards on yourself, um, and I would like to know how are you able? How were you able to build that trust in yourself? And where did that trust come from? Those are great questions, Andrew. That's a great question. Um, you know, there's a few things that I think I point to, and that's the fact that I had a very supportive family growing up. Uh, my parents they were 
they were always moving and grooving, wanting more for us. And I took that to heart. I, I saw that. And um, they they wanted us to be to be better, to be more. So I had a very supportive family. My dad was a coach for me, you know, playing baseball and soccer. So I, I always saw um, the importance of, of, you know, the work-family balance. But more than that is they always did say, you know, one can put their, can accomplish whatever they put their minds to. And I really believed it. Like, I did. I believed it. And so, uh, you know, when I became a nurse, uh, my dream then was I was going to be this, this chief nursing officer of a major hospital organization. So because that's what my parents said I could do. And then I realized that there was even more. That's entrepreneurship. So um, I, I can point to my upbringing, my, my background. Um, but more than that, it's beyond that. It's the fact that I, I believe that the people who are the most successful wake up every day with this, not just a fire, but with gratitude. Like they're, they're glad to be alive and every day is a day to accomplish something. And honestly, Tony Robbins. So <laughs> Tony Robbins is a huge influence for me. <laughs> so there you go. Awesome. That's Thank you. super cool. Where did you get the vocation? You mentioned vocation earlier about being a nurse. Where did you kind of find that vocation to be a nurse like early on in your life? Is there one thing that you can kind of point to? Yeah, there was. Um, these are great questions, guys. These are the, and again, I'm just, uh, I do have the question list, but this is like, these are, these are good questions. So when I was about eight or nine years old, um, I, I, had a, I had a big problem. And um, that was, I woke up one night and I couldn't breathe. And my parents woke up and I'm the oldest of my brothers and couldn't breathe, having a lot of trouble. They called the doctor, this was in the 70s. And the doctor said, oh, it's probably a lot of gas. And I was a chubby kid, so I used to love to eat. So, of course, probably a lot of gas. Put him in a hot bathtub, warm, hot water in the bathtub. Not hot, but, you know, warm water. And just whatever. Let the gas all come out. Problem was, it didn't. So they took me to the hospital. And fast forward was, um, I had a cyst in my lung, my left lung. And, I, I again, I'm reflecting back on the memory. I don't know all the medical details, but... Um, I had to have the I had to have half of my left lung removed as a kid, eight or nine years old. I was like I was a little kid, and I remember a lot of the experience. Um, the obviously the discomfort, um, some of the pain, my parents being there. But really, what struck me was the sights and the smells and the sound of the hospital. Um, just the the, the, the way it was, the, how it was so clean and um, the smell of alcohol and, you know, just the, the sterileness. And, and then right behind that was compassion. It was the nurses and doctors. And maybe it was because I was a kid, but the compassion. And I thought, this is like, this is where I belong. This is where I want to be in this environment. So initially I thought I would be a doctor, but then I realized that it takes a lot of schooling to be a doctor. So that's where it. That's where it, it turned on. Where I, I knew I was going to do something in the medical profession, and um, and then I believe that part of who I am intuitively, my character is compassion. So, um, yeah, all those things. But that's a great question, and that was the moment. It was I had half a lung removed. If I one sentence. Awesome. And then so taking that compassion, you were able to build through the nursing industry. And then taking that into an entrepreneur level, taking that into your own companies, can we touch on that? What was kind of the first venture you brought into? I know you started your own company with the nursing program, and then what, some other ones that snowballed after that. Yep. So 
compassion was it was very operative even to this day um uh, I'm, I, I come across as a very warm, inviting person, and I'm still at heart a caregiver, compassion, which in the in the entrepreneurial world or the business world, it could be a core value. You know what I mean? Like a core value. The things you see on the when you walk into a company, and here's here's what our company is about. Well, for me, um, our first company, uh, one of our core values was compassion. In other words, yeah, we wanted to make money, and yes, we had an ROI, and we did the things that businesses do, but. Uh, our goal was, our mission was to take care of that soldier, that airman, that marine, that that navy person who was in the bed, and it was all about compassion. So then, as an entrepreneur, my challenge, yes, it was growing and scaling a business, but what it really was was scaling compassion, and that's what stuck. To, that's what stuck with me, and that's what made our company very distinct. Is yeah, at its essence, we're hiring healthcare providers and placing them in military hospitals, but compassion was was the core of what we did. So we didn't hire everybody. We didn't. You no, know, we hired the ones that were most aligned with who we were as a company and um, that we are at our at our core caregivers. So I learned to scale things and um, maybe look at things that maybe other entrepreneurs don't or didn't and. Um, Right or wrong, planet boy or not, it's just it's what's worked. So, as far as like uh, so just logistically speaking, you were working with the federal government as in terms of like this was when you were in the United States Army and you were helping these Army veterans, or were you an RN for the Army and then you ended up scaling that and then making a company that helped the federal government? So good question. So I was actually enlisted in the military in the eighties oh. and got out got out and went to nursing school, and after nine eleven, uh, I. I, my, my, my entire family is veterans. So my dad was in Vietnam, my grandfather in World War II, my brother served in Iraq. Um, but after 9-11, I was fully, I was out of the military. I was out. But I felt compelled to serve again. So I went back in while we were building our company. Med, it was called MedTrust. While we were building it, I, I went back in as a military reserve officer, as a nurse. And I knew I would be activated. So um, you touched on something that was... was um, was actually the, the catalyst, the, the thing that, that propelled us to growth was the military activated me. And I was the CEO of a multi-million dollar company and I was now, that served the federal government and now I was activated as a military officer and the, the federal government said, you can't do both. So, um, and my, my activation orders superseded everything. Basically, here's your orders, you know, Lieutenant, you are, you are going you are going to do your job for, for your uncle, Uncle Sam. So I had to sign power of attorney over uh, of my company, Lock, Stock & Barrel, to um, a professional management team, of which my wife was on that team. And it's it's that moment where an entrepreneur or an owner, you know, a lot of owners will say, I can't, you know, I, my, my company, I want it to run without me. And we start to build towards that. Well, the distinction was the military forced me to immediately. Your company must run without you. So I, for 18 months, I was removed as CEO of my company, and the company exploded. It blew up. I mean, in a good way. It just it was hockey stick. <laughs> yeah, explode. We were like, oh man, that's not good. Oh, no yeah. Rick, no 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 Rick, no game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fantastic, though. I mean, so going back to what you were saying originally with um, the entrepreneurship, the compassion the way you were able to take that into new companies. I mean, we as a podcast right now are kind of trying to hit that market as well. Um, our kind of 
values and core values are uh, everyone has a story. We try to tell it. And we're trying to bring a life and appreciation to these stories through the questions we ask. So, like, our main message and our goal is when we're asking these questions is try to bring out the core values of the interviewee. And um, I kind of hope that we're, we're touching on that right now. So that's kind of, like, where our, like, our whole mantra comes from. So we're kind of in the same venture that you started with. And then it comes to the next door. We have to try to make money. And that's the, the, that's the hard part. We know what we want to uphold. But how can we take this message and bring that into a, an ability to start making a little bit more of a profit so we can do this on a larger scale? Um, it's an interesting game being an entrepreneur. I mean, it's, it's very fun. And we're trying to be savvy and talk to as many people as possible to learn how to do these type of things. Because like we said, we're graduating here on Saturday. And it's really the... The world is our oyster, and we're just trying to figure out how to seize it. That's awesome. Yeah, it's that's a wild awesome. time. Yeah, that's awesome to hear. Mm-hmm. You're right. Like a few things you guys said, which was interesting, is um, is uh, you know your core values are around storytelling stories, and then um, about life and appreciation. And you said the word game. This and uh, I, I truly believe that uh, business is a game. And some master it, some get crushed by it. So uh, at, at its essence, it's a game. Mm-hmm. And uh, most people, a lot of folks, entrepreneurs, they don't play to win. They play simply to not lose. And um, I, I, I prefer the ones who are playing this game to win it, to master it. And um, yeah, so after Saturday, you guys got your hustle mode on yes. to monetize, monetize this biatch, right? Yep, <laughs> absolutely, for sure. And And we know like you've, uh, made other companies outside of your nursing company. What was like the logistically? What was like the next step that you took um, from that moving on from that company? Yeah, so um, so I, w- I was activated in o- about o five to o seven in that time frame, and o seven uh, November was when I was my my contract my tour was done, and by this time our company staffing firm was already, it was growing. In other words, I literally didn't even have a desk at the, at the firm anymore. And so I realized I had to do something else. I realized that I, I was not going to go back to a job. To, I was not going to go back into nursing. And in fact, I have not nursed a shift since I left um, military nursing. Uh, in my opinion, I, I took care of, um, I took care of America's heroes and I was at the top of my nursing game and I know people need help, but I was I was at the top of the game, and so I left. So I opened up some CrossFit gyms. So I had discovered I discovered CrossFit. Me, now, I didn't. I don't mean I discovered it. I just mean I found a gym I enjoyed, and uh, we affiliated back in '07. And I I was renewed. I was re, had a renewed passion for business building that was still healthcare related. You know what I mean? So in a sense, I was still helping people be better. Now it was through this incredible, wicked um, program called CrossFit, which I love. And so um, that was, you know, so I went from, you know, owning and operating. And I still owned our staffing firm, but now we had two companies and CrossFit and loved it. And from there, it segued into we launched a, a paleo food company and uh, just a lot of stuff. And and so, yeah, the entrepreneurial bug bit and it bit hard. So... Right on. And then going through all these different ventures, every company I know, we've done our research and by, uh, I mean, you started a few companies and by a few companies, I mean a lot of companies. And I just would love to know, like, what are some of the golden nuggets you've taken from each company of kind of taking it to the next one? Like I learned this and I kind of want to, I need to make sure I bring this to the next one so I can do this successfully. Has there been something like that? 
Yeah, so there's a few big, a few nuggets. Is I, I think one of the biggest ones that I learned is, is we have kind of opened up our, our chat with, uh, you know, entrepreneurs are you know, planet boy. We're attracted by shiny objects and and squirrel. Is is the phrase that he who chases two rabbits catches none. And what I realize, what I mean by that is that sometimes as an entrepreneur, I had I was had a lot of companies going and. Um, we had some successes, but we've had a lot more failures and successes. It was because I was trying to, I was chasing too many rabbits, if you will. But beyond that, one of the most poignant lessons I learned was after we sold MedTrust, um, and you know we had built it to a sizable organization, won some awards and all kinds of stuff as a large organization. But people then started asking, you know, in the circles we ran with entrepreneurial groups and all that. Hey, Rick, how did you do it? You know, how did you do it? And can you teach me how to do what you've done? And there was a time where I said, oh, it was just platitudes, hard work, and you got to be focused, and you got to be driven, and you got to wake up and want it, you know, all those things. But that doesn't help somebody actually grow a company. So um, I, I was doing folks a disservice, and I was minimizing the successes that I had, my wife and our teams had been blessed to create. So I realized that success leaves clues. And there is a strategy to winning. You know, a football team doesn't just jump on the field with 11 cool guys and win. They win because they have somebody who, um, because they've worked, they practice, and they have a plan. And I realized that at MedTrust, we had that plan. And as I deconstructed, you know, our success, I then was able to reconstruct success for others. That's called coaching. So I was able to actually, you know, by deconstructing and reconstructing it, help folks build a roadmap to succeed in their own businesses, whether it's staffing or, you know, making picture frames or um, a technology firm or a, a marijuana company. Success leaves clues. And business is business is business. Going back to the game is one of the biggest lessons I learned is um, that the, the ones who master the game are the ones who have a plan you know, a plan. So, um, big lessons, chase too many rabbits, catch none. And there's always a plan. Yep. And I think we're trying to do that right now a little bit as well, like niching down, trying to focus again, like we said, mentioned early on our core values, the topics, the questions we discuss, really trying to figure out who our market is. And f instead of chasing all the rabbits and chasing all the shiny objects, knowing and understanding who we are and sticking to that path, instead of trying to cash a wide fisherman's net and try to get all the fish in the school. Dude, that's a great point. Yep. <laughs> we try to be yeah. fishermen, but not like that. Um, but what you mentioned, I mean, one of the rabbits that you did catch, if we're going to go off of catching rabbits, is uh, your newest company, Wellness Project RX, which is, um, to be quite frank, it's a it's a cannabis company that focuses on health. And uh, is coffee and yoga also incorporated in that? Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you have like the biggest hot, the hottest millennial company like ever, and you're not a millennial. We do our research on that. So <laughs> explain exactly like how you the story behind it. We want to know because you know we're millennials and we want to know how like you came up with this and you know everything and uh, what you guys aim to accomplish. Good question, and um, it's it's interesting because this is this is my my first official interview. Um, as and I'm, I'm going to get to share kind of this uh, a jumping off point. In other words, uh, we've changed our model over the last few days. Like I kid you not. So uh, I am now going to because of you guys get to articulate it, and whenever this is live, people will hear what we're what we're really doing as of today. So 
I mentioned to you how I went into coaching and mentoring, and I did it with companies all over the world. I went to Europe, Mexico, Canada, all over the U.S., worked with companies um, that were doing under a million in gross revenue. So my goal tactically as a coach was to teach them to scale to and through that million-dollar mark. And there's a reason why. That's a different different topic. But um, So one of my clients, who's also a really good buddy of mine to this day, I've known him for years. He did two tours in Iraq as a Marine. And he is currently a, um, a petroleum engineer for a very large multinational oil company. Problem is, is he's got severe PTSD. So he said, Rick, I want to start a company, um, you know, and I'd like you to mentor me, coach me through it, the startup phase. And the company was a CBD company. Now, I didn't know what CBD was. I'm like, this was years ago. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Tactically, you know, business is business. Let's do it. But I was really curious. His mission, and I love that you guys are starting with your mission. Most people don't. They just jump right into doing shit, and they wonder why they can't figure out stuff. So his mission was to help fellow veterans who are suffering PTSD and give them alternative wellness CBD. So CBD is, again, that's another conversation, but it's it's part of the cannabis plant. It's from cannabis. And um, so I, I became his co-founder. In other words, I left the coaching realm because I'm like, I need to be in this cannabis industry and uh, became his co-founder, was very was fortunate and lucky to know him. Um, Citizen CBD is the name of the company, and it was it's veteran-owned to this day. Veteran-owned gives a portion back to veterans, veteran groups, and it started growing. And as it grew, and by the way, the puns in cannabis business are, it's, you can't avoid them. So <laughs> I should have I let you in with can of business Rick Martinez, like can of business entrepreneur Rick Martinez, because like you are the face of can of business. So you work on that. It's crazy. You can't avoid the puns. In this <laughs> no, but um, so um, so one of the things I learned as his vice president and uh, kind of business development I, is I put myself out there. You know, when I jump into an industry, and I, I believe the smart ones, is they, they dive in head first. And so I asked, I poked, I prodded, I read, I went to conferences conventions and cannabis all over the U.S. and met a lot of people. Uh, I was able to meet other distribution companies and people who were who had been in the place that Citizen was going to. And I realized that, again, that that was really my calling, was to have my own business. So um, I opened up a distributorship and I called it Wellness Project Rx. And the intent was we wanted to bring um, not just a new type of wellness, but super wellness. You know, and I'm passionate about yoga and coffee and obviously now, now cannabis. So that was the genesis of Wellness Project is basically become a distributorship for the, some of the best and premium cannabis CBD companies around. And what's happened is then I was asked to speak at some cannabis conventions and I was published in a major business magazine and, and they noted me as a Texas-based um, cannabis expert. So people were reaching back out to me for the things they used two years ago. Can you help us build our cannabis company? So I went to a conference, a workshop last week, like literally last week, to kind of reimmerse myself in the coaching world. And as a result, um, when I emerged from the workshop literally a week ago, is um, I am going to relaunch Wellness Project RX um, as uh, the world's first premium cannabis coaching company. And so that's what we're doing is I am now um, actively looking at and people are reaching out to me to be their executive, uh, basically their, uh, their coach pop, if you will, the Spurs, to be their coach, to, mm-hmm. to lead them to greatness. And so 
that's a wellness project rx we're going to be redoing our website here in the next probably you know few weeks you will see it change from um this kind of whimsical um you know fun fun side about you know selling cbd products to uh, a cannabis focused um professional coaching organization okay so is it a coaching in the way of how to properly use it or appropriate uh coaching in a way of how to um help businesses learn how to use this as a source of um structure in their own business so more towards the latter and if i could just simplify simply put what 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 my goal is to is to teach entrepreneurs who have who have, who have um, a cannabis company, whether they're a tech company in cannabis, whether they actually farm it, grow it, cultivate, whatever they do, teach them, walk them through the fundamentals, help them put the fundamentals in their business. Um, strategy, execution, understanding people, meaning vendors, hiring, firing, and then cash, um, how to keep more of what they make. And then just repeating, strategy, execution, people, cash. And fundamentals, business 101, and those things done over and over and over is when uh, is, is how one gets to you know that that million dollar and beyond uh, revenue mark. So, to put it put it bluntly is uh, teaching the tactics, providing the community the accountability and um, the, the know it all, the know the wherewithal and knowledge to actually grow a cannabis business. Okay, so that makes sense. So if you're what I'm really curious about, and I think this is kind of the elephant in the room at this point is. Weed is legal in, you, I don't know how many states exactly, but a good portion of the states and is a growing uh, business right now. And, and it's selectively legal, you know, amongst the United States, illegal federally. How, um, where's the cannabis market? How, how is the cannabis market structured currently? Where is it going? And how are you able to leverage uh, the position we're in now versus where we're going? So structured and then... Um, so there's that, that could be a really really deep question, and one of the things is I let folks know is that I uh, I have a lot of respect for the folks out there who are fighting the good fight, you know, going to, to congresses and going to their um, local reps and all that, and I back them 100. percent But as far as legally where it's going, it's all over the map. So I live in Texas, and Texas opened up its first dispensaries uh, this year actually the end of last year, actually January of 18, and it's for medical marijuana, and it's only for one specific condition. So uh, the drum beat is moving. Whether we like it or not, um, marijuana cannabis is here, and it's here to stay. So some people say it could be federally legal in the next four years. I've heard some others say federally legal um, in the next you know 10 years. So I don't know. So, um, the, the, so leverage, that, that's a great question. So Right now, marijuana is it's recreational legal in a handful of states and medical in, I don't know, 29 states as of today, something like that. But the, the lever or what's what's wonderful is that CBD, uh, it's it's a 50 state business and CBD, which is uh, kind of where, where I cut my chops, is um, it's a state where just imagine this. So if one believes that marijuana will be legal in all 50 states, let's just say in five years, then in five years, there's going to be a lot of people uh, wanting to get distributorship, wanting to get the licensee, wanting to get all those things. And today, as a result of being in the CBD business, I have I can establish a presence for us and our clients in all 50 states today. So that when in three, four, five years, let's say Texas or Illinois or Iowa says we are going recreational legal, guess who already has a presence there? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Not just not me necessarily, but the folks who understand that the lever is um, is at our disposal today, today, and that's um, CBD and all the businesses that surround um, cannabis, the support. So. Okay. One more question regarding that. So CBDs, um, as a small brain guy who's not you know up to speed on his weed, CBD is a portion of the of the strand right and thc is another portion cbd is the part that does not have the thc in it correct yeah you know so i'll share with you guys a really really simple analogy okay. i'm a big believer in if um if if you can't explain it to grandma or to a seven-year-old then you've made it too difficult <laughs> so and so as such i've had to figure out a way to really um kind of dissect it internally and then be able to explain it so so yesterday, my wife and I, she got home and we went out and had a, we went out with some friends and uh, we had some wine. So now think of a glass of wine. And if you could imagine a glass of wine in your hand, uh, the wine comes from a, a fruit. It comes from a plant that grows really well in certain parts of the world, like Napa Valley, France, right? So land, plant, fruit. That fruit gets harvested, grapes, several times a year. They actually, somebody physically, they cut the fruit off and they produce these wonderful beverages. So one of the beverages is what my wife and I had. And that beverage is you have to be a certain age to consume it. You can't get behind the wheel or operate machinery. You have to be 21. It's taxed. But doctors will still say two glasses of that is good for you. That's wine. Wine. Fruit, plant, earth. Earth, plant, fruit comes this other wonderful product you can give to your children. You can buy it anywhere. It costs a lot less. It's still taxed. Anybody can drink it. You can get behind the wheel. It's called grape juice. Doctors say it's full of vitamins. Your kids can have it. Anybody can have it anytime. Give it to grandma. Same fruit, same plant, same earth. Wine, grape juice, marijuana, CBD. Same same flower, same... And again, I'm, I'm distilling. There's a lot more science behind it, but that's the simplest way. It's all cannabis. One gets you drunk, gets you high, is good for you. The other one doesn't get you drunk, doesn't get you high, still really good for you. Same wellness benefits. People use CBD for anti-anxiety, to help them sleep, for pain relief. Um, athletes use it for recovery, and you don't get high. So does that kind of does that make it make it a little bit easier big, to kind of grasp? Big time. That was perfect. I've never had it explained to me like that, and that was freaking awesome yeah and my next question was going to be how would you deal with those people that are critics of this industry critics of marijuana and i feel like you might have already answered that question with that analogy i mean kind of showing them the difference in what you're trying to do versus what uh the stereotypes are preceding belief to do is there anything else you you kind of say or is that kind of your main message no that's a that's a great point and um so one of the things that I personally do is, is I'm an, as, as a healthcare provider, um, I'm an advocate of education. You know, as a nurse, part of my job, uh, as we prescribe stuff for patients, the doctors, or as we discharge folks, was to educate them on what they should expect. And so intuitively, and because of training, I knew that. Most people don't know. They don't know why they need the pill or why they need the thing on their arm. They don't know. So my job is to let them know, educate them from a healthcare perspective. This is why you need it. This is why you should leave it on. You know, it could be a detriment if you remove it or do not take that. And so, um, so a few things have happened is a lot of, a lot of folks will ask me, well, why do I need this, Rick? 
you know, and even the way I said it, there's a, there's this level of almost um, my word, you know, not theirs, but combativeness. Well, why do I need this? Isn't it really all just weed? And I'm like, that's a great question. So first thing I do is I don't try to convince people. I don't. There is there is a there is somebody I believe out there right now who is on their knees praying for some sort of relief. Those are the people I seek out. The ones who come off combative and they're like, well, why do I need this? And this isn't all weed. I'm just like, I can give a few liners, a few one-liners that I'll, I'll share with you guys. But otherwise, I, I don't, I don't want to put my energy into convincing somebody that this could be the thing they're looking for. So as an example, if somebody says, well, why do I need this? I'm like, let me just ask you a question. I'll say, the last time you went to you know, Walgreens or CVS to purchase something for your aches and pains, you know, and then they'll say, I, I, like, have you gone? And they'll say, well, yeah. I'm like, well, what did you you, what did you buy? I'm like, well, Motrin. Well, what's the Motrin for? Well, I have headaches or my knee's been bugging me. I'm like, this is a great alternative. That's why one might need CBD because um, without getting without without getting into medical stuff, it's um, if you if one normally goes to the drugstore to their doctor to to be prescribed or get things for the thing that's bothering them, wouldn't it be prudent to actually try something that's natural that um, is less harmful and potentially a lot less, you know, some of these, you know, opioids are addictive. And most people will say, that's a good point, Rick. And then there'll be a real conversation. Some people say, well, but still, why do I need it? And I'm just like, we're, we're, we're done here. You know what I mean? So um, that's that's really how I go about it. You know, why, what, what do you normally go to the drugstore for? You know, is there something you're seeing your doctor about that? Um, can you guys still hear me? Because I just got a little poor connection signal. On yeah, no, you're good. That's phenomenal. That's super cool. Um, so on the flip side of that, I mean, you've gotten a lot, you probably have gotten a lot of heat, a lot of serious questioning about, you know, the cannabis industry. Cause uh, pr- quite frankly, like Andrew and I were uneducated, but now we're, now we're a little more educated. So thank you. A lot of people out there are also like that on the flip side of things. Uh, you can pretty much call yourself the cool dad and like the cool dad on the street, right? Cause you're running a cannabis company. Yeah, that's, um, you know, it's, it's presented some very, uh, unique, uh, it's, it's presented some very unique things in life. And that's because my kids are in their twenties now, uh, mid twenties and my youngest is about to be 21. And for years we always gave the parent, the parental, you know, talks, you know, watch out for this, watch out for this type of person. And now I find myself not only literally in those circles of those people that we would warn them about, but actually in their business. And so it's, I've had to eat crow, honestly, I've had to eat crow in a lot of things. And I've had to rethink um, this whole cannabis, you know, world in the business. And the conversations with my kids have changed. And the bottom line is, is, I, I kind of like the cool dad thing because I now have conversations with my children about CBD and the benefits of in legal, where it's legal, is what this wonderful plant can do for folks. Um, oh, one last question about cannabis uh, before we get to our uh, something special for you. Um, <laughs> we're not giving you any wheat, but... <laughs> um, so... How ex- like you've been explaining how CBD is beneficial? Are there any like side effects or something that people hang on to and is like, no, you can't smoke weed to heal yourself as far as the cannabis p- portion of it, 
or CBD, sorry, like, is there any sort of downside that you really can't argue or is there some sort of symptom that we need to be aware of? You know, um, there, there's not a whole lot of studies to point to in the cannabis world in general because of its legality on a federal level. So a lot of studies and white papers are coming from overseas, like Israel. So it's a lot of what I'm about to share is anecdotal. It's here's what I've heard or here's what I've experienced or here's what I know to be true as a healthcare provider. So um, there, as far as I know today, there has never been a documented case of overdose of cannabis, CBD or weed, either way. Um, so you, you can't, I'm mean, so bad. It's... I think the only thing that I've heard of, uh, and I'm going to leave it as I've heard of, is, you know, let's say on the weed side, is people having a bad high or not quite. Let's say somebody sees an edible and they don't quite understand, you know, the dosing of an edible or how much they can tolerate. And even though on the edible packaging, it might say, like, um, you know, eat only a quarter of this and wait 60 minutes. Most people will be like, well, it's been 30 minutes. I don't feel anything. And they pop the whole damn thing in their mouth. So um, there is such thing as having a bad high, and it could lead to feelings of paranoia. Um, the things that uh, one could read about paranoia, um, like people are chasing you, things like that, even maybe some trippy things. But um, and of course, you shouldn't. You should not operate machinery inside a vehicle while you're smoking, like weed. Uh, CBD is fine, but um, but I, I have not heard of anything, um, and I cannot point to anything, and, and I feel like I've done a lot more research than the average person because I've jumped into this business. But I think the, the worst thing I've ever heard of is a really, really bad high. Okay. Right on. Yeah, and it's good to know. It's very good to know, and thank you for informing us. I mean, we've definitely learned a lot, and I know you're helping our marketing interns learn a lot more about this industry. Um, but kind of trapping the puck on that, and moving on to one of our favorite part of the interviews. This is something we necessarily didn't send you, but um, if you've listened to our show in the past, you'll know it's coming. It's our game. Game. Game, game alert. alert. We're playing a little game here. This game of the week is a speed round. So we'll give you a question, and you can hit us with a one-word answer, a quick answer, and they're just going to be sh- they're going to be short-ended questions and just a speed round. So I'll go ahead and start. Nice, Andrew. Okay. Get after it. So you're going to just pick one of these three. Coffee, yoga, cannabis. Cannabis. Okay. Nice. Okay, right on. Um, f- a fact about cannabis that uh, the average person does not know. It has healing properties that we have yet to fully tap into. Okay. Uh, favorite word for cannabis? Oh, dank. Okay. Dank. Some We're, of our favorites. Go yeah, ahead. I'm, a, I'm a, like salad or uh, some nugs. How about you? My favorite one is greeny beanies. I think that's just my favorite one. Um, favorite word for being high? You know, I just got to go with old, old school stoned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm a huge uh, handsome. If you're just super handsome, that's we, we, we kind of made that up ourselves. Um, you can pretty much ripped, roasted, baked, blazed, toasted. Oh, yeah, there's many more. Yeah. But those are some of our favorites. <laughs> um, what did you want to – oh, yeah, turn in a uh, little pivot here. Uh, what did you want to be as a child? You know, I had two things, either a, a, a doctor or a pro soccer player. Nice. Ooh, okay. okay. Um, what are you known for in your neighborhood? Okay, so that that's a little twist. <laughs> <laughs> and now in the neighborhood, so you see my shirt? So yeah. people, they... Uh, all kinds, all shapes, 
Yeah, he's like this. I'm known as a cannabis guy. Okay. Known as so you, like you're not like the drug dealer though, are you? you no, I'm not. No, no, no. I have a full legal business. Everything I do is above yep. board. But mm-hmm. because of the business I'm in, it's uh, yeah. You have no idea. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, is it me? Yeah. Go ahead. You, oh, you. me. Um, oh, when are you happiest? You know what? I'm happiest when my, honestly, my wife walks in the door. It is, I feel like a puppy and my wife just got home. I, I kid you not. Excellent. And then our final one, speed, final question in the speed round is, you wake up in a box of crayons. What color are you and why? Okay. Um, I, I this, as you said, crayons, I was already thinking color and the first color that came to my head was green. Okay. <laughs> That's a super typical answer. I like that. Yep. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's phenomenal. Well, thank you for playing. That's great stuff, Rick. Uh, you, you crushed it. Uh, you, you're just a really fast guy for a good speed round. Mm-hmm. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. Um, finishing up, our final two questions that we always ask. The first one is a bar story. So this is a story that um, imagine yourself you know, sitting at, at the bar. You're blowing off steam after a long day's of work selling a bunch of cannabis. And uh, you know it's 4 p.m. and you're just blowing off steam watching the Spurs game or something. And a uh, random guy comes and sits next to you. And what what kind of story? You guys, you know, break the ice a little bit. What kind of story do you tell this guy that's about yourself and unique enough to keep him interested? I think there's probably one of the coolest stories, and this actually came up this past week. Uh, it was um, when I met Colonel Oliver North. And that, whatever I say, uh, when I mentioned about meeting Ollie, Lieutenant Colonel North or Ollie, um, you either get an immediate, like, I want to hear more, or like, oh, that guy. But either way, they want to hear the story of how I got to meet you know, Colonel North. And um, that's the story I would tell, because it was a, a part of my life that was, um, was very poignant. And just the fact that I got to, like, actually was face-to-face with Colonel North. So, super cool. Do you want me to tell the story? Yeah, could you yeah, tell yeah, the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we would love to hear the story. <laughs> I wasn't sure, so. <laughs> No, so I was working at Walter Reed as an army nurse, and uh, and and when you're working as a nurse in civilian hospitals, you generally wear scrubs. But as a military nurse, uh, where I worked at least, we wore our uniforms, our our ACUs, our, our, basically our battle you know, the stuff we wore wore in the field. And so it was a weekend, and a weekend day shift, and I was I left the, the unit, and I was walking down a hallway to go to get something to eat, the cafeteria. And it was kind of a breezeway. It was a long breezeway with windows on both sides, if you can imagine it. And um, as I'm walking, I see somebody walking towards me. And I looked, and I'm like, in, in my mind, I'm like, holy fuck, that's Oliver North. And I'm really, I'm saying that. And as I got closer, I'm like, that's Colonel North. Remember, I'm in uniform. And I'm an officer, so I'm in uniform. And I got, I got maybe four feet from him, and I looked at him, and I said, sir, I said, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say hello and introduce myself. And um, you've been a personal, um, uh, a hero of mine, and I just wanted to shake your hand. And I said, would you mind if I got a picture, sir? And he said, he said, um, he said hi, very cordial, and he had flowers in his hand. And he was not in uniform. He was like wearing a sweater and, and uh, you know, just regular clothes. And he said, uh, he said, I'll give you a picture, Lieutenant, on one condition. And I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm here to visit some Marines. He said, um, if you will follow me into each room, take a photo of me and each Marine and make sure that each of them gets a photo, you can have yours. 
and I said, deal. And it was one of the coolest things because there was no Fox News there. There was no cameras. There was no entourage. It was just he was there on a weekend afternoon, his own time, to visit some Marines who had been wounded overseas. And, man, it was one of the coolest things. Um, that's the true essence of, of um, what it means to serve, being a patriot, in my opinion, um, to be human. And because I got to see a lot of famous people where I, where I worked, and they all had entourages. Colonel North never did. That's wicked cool. That's thank you for sharing. Yeah, awesome. and thank you for your service as well. I know we didn't mention that earlier, but we greatly appreciate it, and I'm sure all our marketing interns also appreciate your service to this country. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, guys. And then our final question of the day is a simple question, but sometimes it may stump people. But here's the question. What did you learn today from the time that you woke up to the time that we're having this interview right now? It's a great question. Um, let me ask you guys. So at your, in your age group, are you considered millennial or like a Gen Y or something like that? Or, we are millennials. And I think there is Gen Y the one right behind us, like the t- people that are younger than us. I thought it was older than us that Gen Y is. I don't know. Gen Y, I, I don't really know, to be honest, but all I know is, like, we're millennials. Yes, and there's, <laughs> there's another generation, I think, that's, like, four or five years younger than us that has a different tagline already, and I'm not sure what it is, but it's something. What's weird is I thought millennials meant, like, you grew up or, like, you were born in the new millenni- millennium, so that would be 2000 till now, so that would be, like, people zero to 18, but millennials are, like, our age to, like, almost, like, 30-something, right? So correct me yeah, if I'm wrong. I think that's what it is. Yeah, I, don't, I to be honest, I really don't know. We probably need to do some research on that. <laughs> no, I, I'm not sure. I think the biggest the biggest thing I learned, and um, it's it just it it's coming. It came to me as we were as we're talking. Is so I was at a workshop last week, and there was a lot of um, key executives and and um, you know muckety mucks there in their companies, and they're to a T. Almost all of them have, say they have issues with millennials, their companies. And I'm like, I don't, I've never had that. I've never experienced that. And so my, my biggest takeaway or what I learned today is that they're wrong. Is there, there's, a, there's a lot of hustling millennials out there who are in it to win it and to make a big difference. And I learned that today by virtue of our dialogue that um, everything I heard, not everything, about, most of what I heard about millennials last week at this workshop was fucking wrong. It's wrong. They, they they have their heads on backwards. They're probably too old to understand how to tap into or understand what makes your guys' you know, heads go. And um, biggest thing I learned today is that they're wrong. There's a lot of really, really good hustling millennials with tons of potential like you two, like your podcast, that are going to be making waves um, sooner rather than later. So big lesson for me. Awesome. Hey, thank you so much for saying that. That means a lot to us. Yeah. (laughs) We still don't know what millennials are, but if we are millennials, that's good to know. (laughs) So thank you. Um, No, I think that concludes it. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rick. We appreciate your time on the pod. Everyone loved it. Everyone was happy. Thank you very much. Peace. Thanks, guys. And that was our interview with Rick Martinez. All around 
great human, great stories, hell of a way to get from where he is today. That was awesome. Thank you, Rick, for spending time with us. You got to experience what our young journey has just begun and where we're headed. We got to experience your well-established uh, entrepreneurial spirit. That was just all around. Thank you. Thank you. A gold nugget uh, that I picked out, just wanted to do a little gold nugget review on my end, was uh, first thing, we are now representing uh, millennials in a positive light. I think this is breaking news. I don't think millennials have ever been recognized uh, positively. So uh, breaking news on that. And you guys can thank us and CC the back pocket for this one. Groundbreaking. Yeah, Rick Martinez felt, felt like we did a great job at representing all of our generation and saying that we, uh, we actually have a, a good brain. We have, actually have a great motivational mentality. So if you're out there and you're knocking the millennial uh, generation, you're, you're saying we're lazy, that we have a, uh, uh, we're stuck in our phones mentality, to that I would just say don't even. Uh, don't even, and maybe you should listen to this podcast, but yeah, don't even go there. Don't even say that millennials are bad because uh, we're we're turning them around. This might be the uh, the running of the bulls. This might actually no, uh, no. We're circling the wagon. That's what I was trying to say. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. No one circles the wagon quite like the back pocket. So you're the welcome. The back pocket is circling the wagon, finishing how we always do with a back end, a strong back end, and marketing interns. Thank you for making it this far. We truly appreciate you guys. You guys are definitely a tier above the rest. And if you've made it this far, feel free to share it on social media. Quote me right now and say, Andrew said this in the back pocket, on the back pocket, in the back end of the back pocket podcast. Yeah, let's uh, let's just do a little quick sneak peek and let's just go ahead and say you guys should all Snapchat, Instagram, do whatever you can and be like, I cannot believe Declan said this and then make up anything you want. You can uh, quote us on anything. Anything besides climate change is fake. I will not be allowing – I will not be allowed to quote that uh, and say put anything – put Andrew's name on anything while you're at it and uh, let's see what happens. I'm not going to actually allow that. I'm going to take that. You're going to have an average result on here. One allow, one now. I don't allow that. You could, you could quote me on saying um, I love the Pittsburgh Steelers um, in Hilton Head. Um, you could quote me on the Salty Dog, uh, Jake's Pizza. You could quote me on uh, you know not wearing socks for two and a half weeks. <laughs> You're out of your mind. That's how it, I, I guess all I'm trying to say is uh, maybe not anything controversial. I, I would prefer not anything controversial, but uh, have some fun with it. Get creative. I would like to see uh, what that is because uh, any, any kind of marketing from the marketing interns – is good marketing for us, so keep that in mind. Uh, and let's close it out. I think that we did, they deserve to hear the wrap of how we finish our podcast. Sure. Again, thank you, marketing interns. But we're going to finish it up with our favorite two segments of what did you learn and a feel-good story. To start us off, Declan Brown, what did you learn? I learned that you can't take the South out of me. I am not, you know, I'm not Southern specifically, but I love Southern food. And you know, I granted I was only in Hilton Head for four days. Or three days, maybe I don't know, but I love Southern food. You just can't take the South out of me. I previously came into Hilton Head with the love of jambalaya and gumbo, and you know I had jumbo and, uh, or gumbo and jambalaya while I was there. Now I'm leaving. Now it's my first day back, and yeah, I'm having Cajun chicken for dinner. I'm having Cajun chicken for lunch tomorrow. Again, interview. You can't take the South out of me. Hey, I was, I'm glad I could put the, a little more South in you. I'll take responsibility on that one. You could quote me on that. Uh, what did I learn? I learned that uh, we have something new coming 
towards the back pocket, towards our marketing interns. We're always trying to figure out a better way and a more uh, effective way to get across our message. And this is a new platform. We've been on YouTube, but we're going to use it. We're going to try to use it more effectively in this manner. We're creating a weekly show called Evolution of Average. And, it, and within the Evolution of Average, we're going to discuss how maybe something we did in the past wasn't so great, and now we're just getting better at it. We're consistent. We're trying to push forward. We're trying to make ourselves better in this field. Or it's something about society. Society has been average at this for a while, but we're starting to see improvements going up. You know, maybe it's got a little hockey stick going. It's got that, you know, that graphic of severe increase. It's just going to be – we're going to be on YouTube and we're trying to make it a more effective platform. Yeah, I, I love where your head's at on this one. I, I think the evolution of average is going to be game-changing, especially for our YouTube page. We uh, need to get our – our YouTube page is a premium. It's a great place for people to really understand what we're all about and push more listens, listeners more, more, and gain more marketing interns. It's just a great platform for us. So, yeah, the evolution of average is going to absolutely help our podcast – and our brand entirely. I love the idea, Andrew. Great market research. I just want to go ahead and say that. So thank you. Now, finishing up with a nice feel-good story, we have uh, a very specific feel-good story. Andrew, would you like to lead us in with our feel-good story? Yes, please. Thank you, Declan. Um, I would like to just give a big old thank you to my grandparents, Bill and Joan Goodhue, BB and JoJo, you guys allowed my friends and myself to experience something that we will take forever and we'll be talking about forever. It was truly remarkable. I know you guys are listening. You're big time marketing interns and your friends are big time marketing interns. They know how much we appreciate you and just thank you for allowing us to have this for the rest of our lives. Yeah, BB and JoJo, uh, BB obviously the grandfather of Silicon Valley. Uh, phenomenal guy and Jojo, the uh, number one mom who will help you welcome in or welcome you into her home. She's the she's the best housewarming mom and grandmother I know, and I've never even uh, been in the same home as her for more than a day. So thank you, BB. Thank you, Jojo. You guys are phenomenal. But I think one more thing that's specific to what we're saying right now is just to be thankful in general. Be thankful about the people who care for you, especially your parents. And your grandparents, your parents are the ones that are mainly there for you entirely through and through. You got to always thank them and always be thankful for what they do for you, what they sacrifice for you day in and day out. But in addition, the BB and JoJo's, the grandparents, they are the most wise people. They've been around forever. And when I mean forever, forever, it's a long time. They've probably lived three times your life. Utilize that, learn something new from them, learn about what their life is about, and gain a new perspective, learn about something that you're a part of. Anything else, Andrew? Dude, you said it so wise. Great wisdom. Thank you, Deck. Thank you, grandparents. I want to say it. I want to reiterate it. Thank you all to the grandparents that allow our marketing interns to feel what we're trying to get our message across. So amen, Declan. Well said. And uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and tell them about Podcast 55. It's a mystery podcast. We have actually, we have no idea who's coming on our show. We hope it's someone big. We hope it's someone that everyone knows. But we'll, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge regardless. Hey, stay tuned. Thank you, marketing interns. We'll see you next week. Podcast 55, June 25th. Take care. Take care.